we want to know what is your fandom because we are gateway to geekery. And this is episode one. So, hi, gang. We don't have a name for you yet. Um, This is Kelly Dowd and Melissa Crea. And Patrick Dowd. You may remember us from such smash hit podcasts as Laura Palmer is dead at Twin Peaks podcast. Tens of listeners from around the world tuned hundreds. in hundreds. hundreds. I know. I like to say tens because it just sounds funnier. <laughs> um, tuned in to hear us, you know, talk for more hours than the TV series actually aired about Twin Peaks. We realized we had just, although you could arguably talk about David Lynch for the rest of your life, we had bled that topic dry. So we want to talk about geekery and nerdery in general, and um, specifically your fandom, what makes you tick, and how did you get into it? So we wanted to start today with a fandom that all three of us share, which is The X-Files. And I want to say that this is very close to my heart because this was one of the things that I got into where I noticed none of my other friends did, where it was one of those things that go, oh, is Hmm. this like a weird thing to get into? Like, like, I thought it was so normal, but. Right. (laughs) Where it's like, I dressed up as Scully for Halloween 1997. Like. Fun fact. Dyed my hair red. But. It kind of worked. It totally worked. worked. We all have an inner Scully. X-Files, like, blew onto the scene like crazy. Sneak attacked in there. Was kind of the first, like, geeky sci-fi show that was mainstream. Right. Um, my, My mom and my stepdad were obsessed with it. I was, like, too scared to watch it because it was genuinely scary. It was very weird. I think there's a very easy tie for us into the world of Lynch and like the 90s Pacific Northwest sort of lots of smoke machines and big hair it's true um so all of us love the X-Files we thought that'd be a good start oversized suits so big I mean those suits I mean why the FBI FBI we love the FBI uh you know Denise uh decided to go Back to being Dennis. Denise Bryson, I mean, uh, played by David Duchovny. Yeah, that's a tie. There's, It's a possible, you know, parallel universe situation. We don't know for sure. So we wanted to explore the X-Files. In future episodes, we're going to have guests on talking about their fandoms. We're going all over the map, listeners. We're going to talk about, you know, some typical sci-fi fantasy. We'll talk about Battlestar Galactica and Star Trek and Star Wars. But we're also going to dive deep. I'm looking for a brony. I'm looking for... So looking for <laughs> I'm looking for weird. We're going to do anime. We're going to do gamers. We're going to go all over the place. Because one thing I know about nerds is that, you know, it's a really broad term, but you can go to C2E2 and walk the floor and you can talk to seven people who are intensely nerdy and passionate about something and it will be very different things. And I also want to say that it's also because this is a great way to kind of explore those where you'd like... I've heard about this, but like, why should I watch mm-hmm. this? Because I have a lot of friends who don't identify as geeks or nerds, but right. I was like, no, you are. Right. Like, yes. your obsession with this is weird. It's true. And nerdy. So, like, you are a nerd, mm-hmm. but you just don't identify as one because you don't see it. But, yes. like, 
oh, you really love to go to Disney four times a year? Yeah, a newsflash. That's not weird. That's right. weird. You are. Mm-hmm. That is weird. You mm-hmm. are a nerd. And, like, if we were going to have a sub subtext for this, it's, like, the nerdicism of Melissa Crea. Like, you were our too basic to be nerdy in Twin Peaks, and now right. you're coming out of the nerd closet right. and realizing, like, you were nerdy all along. Right. Like, I always say to always. that I am too basic to be nerdy, but way too nerdy to be basic. So, fall in a weird <laughs> middle ground where, like, I like some weird shit that other people don't, but I also, you know. Yeah. You like a, a pumpkin spice latte and that's okay. Oh, I love it too. It's, the other day. it's like, fine. It happens. There's it happens sometimes. It snowed. What was I gonna do? I, was I gonna mean wear I can't help what's <laughs> enjoyable like to you. Right? right. And that's what I love. Like when I came out of the nerd closet, which was because of Battlestar Galactica, which will probably be my episode, um, it was like very freeing to realize, like, hey, we're none of us cool. We all have our weird thing and it's fun to be passionate about something and talk right. about it. Um, so we're going to talk with the X-Files in case you don't know us. Um, I am sitting here with my husband, Patrick and my best friend, Melissa, and um, we are buds and we talk about geeky things and we have some wine. So what we decided to do, the way that this is going to kind of work is we'll talk about how do we get into this geekiness and then we're going to give you the listeners an episode, a volume, a piece of art, whatever that would allow you to just jump right into this fandom. So like if you're overwhelmed, the X-Files is now, what, 10 seasons with the new X-Files? In two movies. In two movies. 11 seasons. 11 seasons. So if they make another, it'll be the 12th season. So you're talking about a lot of stuff, and we're asking you to just, you know, ju- we're not asking you to just jump in with the pilot. We're going to give you a couple episodes that you could dip your toe in the water, see if this if this is for you, if this <laughs> ship is going to sail. And we're going to talk a lot about ships in this episode. So <laughs> we each picked an episode. We're going to start with Melissa's episode, which is episode 213, Ir- Irresistible. This was directed by David Nutter. It was written by Chris Carter, who's the creator of the X-Files. He's credited as the genius of the X-Files, which... I always take a little umbrage with because though, of course, he is smart enough to have brought David Duchovny and Jillian Anderson together and have created this mythos, most people would probably agree that what they really love about the X-Files is the monster of the week element. Um, so for those who have no idea what the X-Files is, quick, just kind of Reader's Digest Two FBI agents, um, skeptical scientist and autopsy performer, beautiful uh, Dana Scully, played by Jillian Anderson, is paired with a um, sort of fringe, kind of weird uh, David Duchovny. Conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory nuts, believes in aliens, and and, um, two. Weirdly attractive. Weirdly attractive, (laughs) immediate chemistry. And she is essentially paired with him to debunk him and his work. 
but of course comes to really highly respect him slash fall in love with him. Spoilers. <laughs> and, um, you know, they, they develop kind of the first procedural, but it's a procedural with this backdrop of paranoia. Nothing is as it seems. It's a shady conspiracy. And you'll see that so many of our modern procedurals stem from the X-Files, which is like really, really fascinating. I mean, if you don't know the X-Files, come on. I know. I'm sorry. I'm being too slimy. <laughs> and some people really don't. But we want to make it so that you could true. just jump I in. I don't have to mind. So you should mention so. that there's two kind of big types of episodes. Mm-hmm. There's a mythology episode where... It's the alien plot line. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's an alien undertone over everything, and that's kind of what it all starts, is like Mulder believes in aliens, and Scully's like, those aren't real. No. Yep. And then that's a whole, like, one aspect of it. And then the others are kind of these, like, monsters of the week, where you, like, that's what they're called, quote unquote. So you jump in, you jump out. It ends at the end of the episode. They're episodic. You could watch it by right. itself. And, like, honestly, listeners, I will give you a crisp $100 bill if you can explain to me the mythos arc from start to finish. It's impossible it's to understand. Wikipedia. It is on Wikipedia. <laughs> it's on Wikipedia. I think, but I, like, wrote, I, think I read it, but I, yeah, then I immediately It's nonsensical it. malarkey. It's, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. Just, it's a lot. It's wonderful, and it's why the X-Files exists, but frankly, nobody gets it, including Chris Carter. If you if you were like David Duchovny, gun to your head, explain to me the full <laughs> mythos. He would be like, I have no fucking yeah. idea. Well, I like I like in the new, one of the newest seasons, Mulder gets so pissed off about the conspiracy being a lie mm-hmm. because it wasn't they the lie flip-flop. that he thought it was the lie. Right. I was like, well, you always thought it was a lie. Why are you getting pissed? Off? Like that's the whole point of a conspiracy. You gotta let it just wash it's over you. It's a huge lie. Is what, it's what a yeah. conspiracy is. And then right, so he gets pissed off that it's the lie so is true. A lie. It's so it's a lot. It's a lot. So the mythos episodes would not be my suggestion to jump in. And you will see that in this episode that neither of us, none, none of us, picked. Uh, mythos episode just because it's not a good gateway. It's not a good way to get into it. It's not what made me fall in love. Right. With it. it was not like, Oh Ooh, my God, ew. I love being super confused. And honestly, <laughs> like we asked other people too, like we, you know, just like, what's your favorite X-Files? And people say home, you know, which is the really scary one that they only aired once. You know, nobody mentions like, you know what I love is the really complicated black oil (laughs) episode. Like everyone likes the monster of the week. And so our hope is (laughs) if you like the episodes we mentioned, then go back and watch the full thing and geek out on the mythos. But like, we want to make it easy for you. We don't want to make you have to like, like, it's like those meal preparation kits. We don't want to give you the one where you have to chop and slice and dice. We want to give you the one you can just microwave. Like, it's just not, we're not going to make it really difficult. I know. I started that slice and dice one. I can't do it. I can do one, no nope. one recipe. That's it. <laughs> no. It's a lot the, of effort. They say it's the other stuff just goes bad. And then I was I know. like, I guess this is better because... If I were to go grocery shopping, the same right. amount of money would go bad. So fine. And at least I got some pasta. Right. <laughs> Once you put a sprig of rosemary near me, I've gotten overwhelmed. There should be never be Get a plating situation involved in my dinners. Yeah. I can't finish with anything. Like right. one was like, finish with the parsley. I was like, oh yeah, I was done with my plate. I was like, 
fucking parsley. I forgot about it. Yeah, put that parsley on there. So that will not be this. We're the no. one where it's like, hey, gang, you want to pop this in the microwave? Or like, here's a pizza freshly delivered to your door. Just eat it. That's how we want it to be. So a Just Eat It episode <laughs> that Melissa picked was Irresistible. So before we get into Irresistible, Melissa, just general, um, you gave us a few things, but what really drew you to the X-Files? So again, I really have to stress that this is one of my top fandoms because it's like- brilliant series. It was one of the things that really made me question how other people think, where I was like, you don't love this? Why don't you love this? It's great. I'm- yeah a big fan of a strong female lead. I like someone that can kick a little ass and like, you'll see that in other episodes. Yes. But with irresistible and I'm also a romantic at heart. Yeah. So it's like, I love an underlying sexual tension of some sort, which I would say, I'm sorry, but like that was the gift that kept on giving. Like I think when you cast David Duchovny and Jillian Anderson, you didn't necessarily know that you were getting this boiling pot of sexual tension. And Irresistible is in season two. So it's more of we're familiar with the characters now, but it's also as me and Kelly were trying to realize which episode I was talking about was <laughs> Scully gets kidnapped. She gets kidnapped a lot. She in this does. Series, but the thing that I love is it's really the end scene where spoiler. So watch this first and then, but it's, she was trying to be so strong and so like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And then at the end, she just breaks down and like Mulder holds her. That's all. We all feel that way as women. Sometimes I don't know about you, Pat, but like we're trying to keep it together. Yeah. Try to, Especially after you've been through a traumatic ordeal like she's been. Where it's like, you're just so frustrated and so sad where you're just trying to keep it together, but then you just like break down. And like that really like sold me on this. Yes. Oh, there's vulnerability. There's strength. There's a man that really cares for her partner, even though it's a platonic relationship. And then there's weird, creepy serial killers as well. Yes. So the whole premise of it is that there's this fetish, fetishish. It's the hardest word to say, fetishist. Yes. It's no one can even totally, totally, completely sober. I can't say it. I was right. practicing earlier. Fetishist. It's impossible. Try it, Pat. Fetishist. Oh, he did oh, it perfectly. Did it really well, well, way to be amazing, <laughs> Patrick Dowd for the win. That's literally like the Fetishist. only word I can pronounce. Oh, there we go. You know. yeah. Fetishist. There we go. You just have to like not try, but it's a very hard word yeah. to say. So who really loves like hair and nails from first of his dead bodies and then it needs to be live bodies. I'm also really interested in more of a crime scene and more of a profiling. profiling. Yeah. yeah I only, it's always I been like. I say he's more than a Fetishist. Right. I think yeah. they had to water it down because it is, it this is like <laughs> primetime television. It's this is like not HBO. But they couldn't do that. Right. But come on. But they really works. nail, you know, like the escalation of crime. Like this is a classic right. real procedural 
with the real escalation, the real serial killer behavioral profile. Like if you like that kind of thing, this episode is great. If you liked the fall with Jillian Anderson, this episode's great. Or anything where, because I always find it fascinating why criminals do what they do. Yes. And like, this is a good one where it's like, this is what you're looking for because this is like the stereotype of someone that does this. And this is very much like, one of those type of like police episodes that you would watch on other right. options. I do think they failed though, in the sense that they didn't give him the right background for that's a, true. A yes. true serial killer. Yes. They, they profiled him correctly, except for, well, they said he had a right. thing with his mother, which is, which is true. Which yeah. It's true. So it's right. possible. They just didn't know he was abused by his mother. Or right. Like that, or yes. That's probably, um, no, you're right. And right. So, so maybe, Pat, Pat and I just read for <laughs> listeners who are like, interesting, true crime fans. Pat and I just read Those Who Hunt Monsters by Robert Ressler. He is the inspiration for Mindhunter. He's the inspiration for um, Jack Crawford in Silence of the Lambs. He created the Viacap system and taught at Quantico. So like really cool. If you're into behavioral profiling, that's a great book. And, like, his thing, of course, as we know, is, like, serial killers generally have a background of abuse, which this serial killer didn't. But he hit every other point of, like, escalation from, like, you know, starting out with these trying to just get hair and then escalating. Yeah. Yeah. So, to me, this episode is a lot of, like, the fun profilingness of, like, a weird situation happening a killer a serial killer because that was it's gonna sound weird now but as a 13 year old girl i was like that's intriguing of course oh my god it's like this underlying where it's like you want to have you have a strong female character scully gets overall uh, abducted yes and then because of that she like has to like fight back and like figure everything out, which I always admire in any kind of fiction that I'm watching or reading. And then it's like, you have this man that's just like there for her at yes. the end, where it's like, she's like, I was, I'm fine, but then I'm going to break down and cry. Yes. And then to have someone just hold her because that's all I want in life. Is and just it's someone to hold. Me. And it's a Scully centric episode, I think, right. because really she's having this emotional journey and, technically in the background of the investigation, but you're watching that more than you are watching Mulder. And in today's background, I think what I see is like Mulder as a man can't see the experience that she's having being, you know, um, afraid and empathizing with these victims. Because it is the late nineties, but still the nineties. So yeah, forget how far away that was where it was like women still, have a different perspective of how they go about living their lives. Right. It's just very interesting. And generally, I think you'll find with X-Files fans, they kind of fall into two camps, which I call to ship or not to ship. So in geekery, a ship is a relationship that you as a fan either really want to happen or really don't want to happen. And so X-Files fans, and even Chris Carter, he was extremely anti pairing up Mulder and Scully romantically at the beginning. He was like, one thing you'll never see is you'll never see an alien and you'll never see Mulder and Scully kiss. Now we won't tell you fans if he comes back on both of those things, but 
I think what happened was David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson just had so much between them that like it became like you couldn't help but pair them up because it just wouldn't make sense otherwise. And to me, it's like, so there is a camp of fans who's like, never do I want to see them together. They're platonic, they're friends. And then there's another camp who's like, we want to see them together. To me, I'm a shipper. I think Mulder and Scully are beautiful lovers and should be together. And I get the (laughs) anti-shipper, like the anti-relationship type of, because it would be nice to have on screen a man and a woman that are just platonically For friends. Sure. But like, but the not these pair. Right. The chemistry <laughs> right. between these two is just like very strong and where like you can tell there's an underlying like thing going on and like, I'm a sucker for that. I know. So they just, right. it works. I mean, how many times do you watch a show where they want to have that chemistry and it's not there? Right. These two, like if you just put them across the room from each other and said like, both of you read a book and don't look at each other, you still are like, they want to fuck each other. Like just <laughs> let them at each other. Right. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know their personal stories, but David Duchovny and Jillian Anderson have a lot of chemistry. There's no yeah. denying it. And that really made the show. I think that was like the thing that made the show. Like they can't, you can't deny that like crackling chemistry. So this is a good episode. There is Chris Carter. You will find if you do watch the series has a lot of religious undertones, which is kind of interesting, but I am not a fan of that kind of stuff where it's like there's flashes of the devil and just meaning evilness in this episode, but it's a very good, like creepy yeah, but the episode they don't actually. She doesn't talk about that. There's no, no. like that is the super. That was one thing I was going to mention about it. The X Files. Every episode is has a supernatural element to right. it. Right. So oh, that's it's either fair. right. Yeah, I it's either really alien or that. supernatural or some or monster or whatever. Right. But something, something odd or odd. so that was the supernatural the thing was that she was seeing visions of. A right. demon or a d- devil or something. Yeah. But in this one, and they do this um, sometimes, it's like supernatural, real, or perceived. Like in this yeah. one, it's not necessarily a real supernatural threat. Right. It's a perceived supernatural threat. Yeah, so yeah. I like that about the X-Files, that they're like, once they've gotten into season two and they have like a reliable fan base, they're like, we know our fans think it's aliens and ghosts and vampires every time. Right. So like now we're going to throw you a curveball and it's just a classic serial killer. Like honestly, Melissa, I was very impressed with you for picking this episode because yeah, it never yeah. lands on the top 10. It's no. not one that anyone talks about, but it was an excellent episode. Oh, yeah. One one other uh, interesting, I think, detail I, I found after reading, a you know, that uh, FBI profiler book was... I think he had just moved back home or something like that. Is that right? Maybe uh, that he had just he moved moves back. around a lot. He moves yeah. around a lot, yeah, which is, is what serial killers yes. do. Right. So he probably did murder other people in other yes. states right. or something like that. And right. He moved back home for some reason. But I wonder, yeah. you know, kind of going back to what drew you to this episode. Cause like when you came, so listeners today, we, we got together. We were like, what episodes do we want to do? We emailed back and forth. We're like, there are the episodes that we love the most that we talk like right. Clyde Bruckman. We're not going to talk about it today because it's ev- on everyone's top 10. It's so there are people like Kamal Nanjiani has talked about it better than we right. ever could on the X-Files files. If you're interested, um, 
And so it was just like, it's not necessary with certain episodes, home, not necessary for us to talk about. So we were like, what are some episodes we could talk about that haven't been talked about? And Melissa just kind of surprised me. We had a hard time even finding this episode. I know because I could describe, because it was the last scene where like she felt so vulnerable. She just starts crying. Mulder holds her. And it's like, I just remember being like, we can all relate to that. Yes. Where it's like, you try to be so like, everything's fine. But then as said previously, yeah. but like, it's that end scene that was like, Oh yeah, this is fucking good. It is. And you get, so there's two things about and this. It's super creepy. Yes. So then you're like Ugh. intrigued the whole time. Super so. creepy. I would say, so Nick Chinland plays the killer. I wrote down his name because I like <laughs> to give people credit and he, I would say I would put him on like the top 10 scariest X-Files villains. He does this thing where he will say something extremely soft-spoken with no contractions, you know, and, and, and well-spoken. He's smart. He's studying comparative religions. He's (laughs) working at mortuaries, which is always a sign. That's bad. (laughs) That's a bad sign. That's a red flag. Um, And, you know, he does such a good job of just being one of the creepiest. And then, you know, so it's, it's that creepiness factor that really like edges it out for me that like makes it really, really good. Um, and then I love, there's a therapy scene with Scully. So like every once in a very blue moon, you see that Scully or Mulder goes to therapy at the FBI, which you see this in other series too, where they like make them go. They're like, Hey, you literally have a near death experience every week. Go to therapy. (laughs) And she talks about like, signed off. I don't want Mulder to have to feel like he has to worry about me. And that's a huge theme in their relationship. So it's, it's a scene that gives us this awesome opportunity to hear Scully talk about emotions, which she never does. Cause that's right. not her. And it's also a good segue into the fact that as watchers, if you've watched the series previously, you know that she is a doctor. She deals with death. Like she right. does autopsies. She's in the FBI. So it's like, why are the death, the death of these women, so traumatic for her, and this right. allows the explanation of why she's getting so like freaked out. Yeah, because basically, like this guy is killing these women to take their hair, to take their nails. And, like, she gets really freaked out by it. Because it's so dehumanizing that, like, I'm going to literally take your life because I like your hair color. Because, like, you walked by and I thought you were pretty, you're dead. And that's, I think, the exploring of that for X-Files goes, it shows they're ahead of the times. And, like, one thing I always think about X-Files and Twin Peaks it's like they were way ahead of the time. Right. Like they really hit something, hit a nerve that we're just exploring now, right. but they hit it in the 90s. And I have something for Cat's episode too regarding that as well. Okay, awesome. I think it was super cute, but it's one of those where exactly it's like, yeah. oh, well, this was before we could talk about this. Freely. Right. So they talk so, about it. Final thought, anything else on Irresistible that we want to hit? No, it is kind of creepy. So creepy. <laughs> I mean, if you want to see women's hair stuffed in a pillow, if you want to see a really, I want to say, like, knockdown, drag-out fight scene, you yeah. got it here. I mean, he is a 
legitimate, like he's a real-life disorganized serial killer. Yeah, it is a very good episode for that kind of creepy, but kind of like female empowerment. Yes. Because like, Scully fights back, but it's still the 90s, so she only fights back so much. Right. We could only, I I, I like to think that she would have still won, even Mm -hmm. if they didn't knocked down the door right she had the gun she was about to get him and that's what i love it's like yeah which i guess spoilers (laughs) but you know what like watch it anyway it's amazing right um wait pat you were just you hit on something uh (laughs) the disorganized serial killers so talk about organized and disorganized serial killers oh i'll I'll help you if you need it but (laughs) yeah this is a cool there's a theory or there's not just a theory, but basically what serial killers have shown is that they're either, they fit into two major categories, which is organized and disorganized. The organized serial killer will take, go to great lengths to plan his murder and cover it up and like, uh, really like remove all That's evidence. your Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. They're calculated. They're manipulative. This guy... They're like, we're going to do this and we're going to do this. Right. right. I put on gloves. Yeah. I, like, you know, did this, everything. Yeah. Right. This guy seems disorganized because he's... I mean, it's a little planful, but... He's acting you know, on the, the spur of the moment. He's pretty yes. spur of the moment. Even, like, the, uh, the first murder, uh, it was a prostitute and she, like sees his room and starts freaking out and then he kills her. And then uh, I think they find a fingerprint on her eventually. And, Mm -hmm. um, right. And then he runs, he runs Scully off the road, which is very disorganized. Cause you can see the tire tracks. He's not thinking about being caught. He's just reacting. They catch him by simply by his, uh, family records of his mother's former addresses or current addresses. And And as we know, that's just horrible Poor planning. Right. Horrible planning. Yes. So you, yeah. No, so but murder. He, right. Like, let's get a little bit of a, like a bullet list. Yeah. Going. And yeah. he has a couple of failed attempts with the girl in his class. Like he's definitely disorganized. So that, that might discount my yeah. theory that he killed before. Right. I don't think he, he did. Because yeah, he's, he's, he's yeah. escalating. Really the dead people before. Yeah. Right. Then, he was like, just, it was just being people. like. But then once, maybe because he got fired from the mortuary. Right. And he dug up all those graves. Though. Yeah, that was great. a weird thing. I mean, the yeah. other thing that I'll say is kind of anti what you would say in classic profiling is that his escalation, the first kind of victim that he takes trophies from is a prepubescent girl. And then he goes to women who are in mm-hmm. their 30s, which most serial killers will start with women and go to prepubescent girls. So... Mm. Incorrect, Exiles. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, an awesome, awesome episode. Yeah. Really good. And, and I love, too, no aliens, no real it's supernatural. No. It's just a straight up. This was like a straight up serial killer. Serial killer. Some profiling. Yes. It, so if you're a like. A little bit of female vulnerability, but strength at the same time. It's what I love Yes. in an episode. And honestly, so you did so good, Melissa, because if, if I'm like someone who likes true crime, doesn't really know if I want to do sci-fi, start with Irresistible. Right. That will get you into the relationship, into the world, and it's no aliens. Right. Because I am not a huge sci-fi fan. No, you are not. But I do love me some X. Yeah, it's, all, it's, it's almost all... it's more of like a Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. And I'm really into like that kind yes. of genre. 
Well, Scully was inspired by Clarice Starling, yes. which, yep. um, fun fact, because of that, um, Jodie Foster voices a character in the episode Never Again, because they were like, we want to give a nod. And the episode Be- Beyond the Sea, which is another good one that was my almost did it episode, yeah. um, they very much are is inspired by Silence of the Lambs. So, Pat, you picked an awesome episode. <laughs> episode really 220, one. Humbug. By Darren Morgan uh, is the writer who is mm-hmm. my favorite writer. I think Darren Morgan can do no wrong. Like he he wrote this episode's the first funny episode. Um, I'll let you kind mm-hmm. of unpack it, but such a great pick, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad that you Darren Morgan. By the way, does for those who are listening that are X Files fans, he does Humbug, the very famous, probably by all X Files fans best episode Clyde Bruckman's final repose and war of the copper phages. Um, he also plays a, a very famous role in um, small potatoes, oh, okay. which is a very funny one. And then in the new season, he does um, what's the deal with, or what's the, the deal with forehead sw- sweat. Oh, He's got yeah. some good ones. And he even the new season, the wear monster, monster and then the forehead sweat. So yeah. he's got, he's a great, and, and then his brother, um, another Morgan, I forget. It's Darren. Oh, Glenn. Glenn, Glenn Morgan. Uh-huh. And then James Wong. Those three are like the three kind of powerhouse writers of the X-Files. So good. When you see their names on an episode, you'd get like excited. Like the, this is going to be a good episode. So tell me, Pat, why you picked Humbug as your favorite episode or why your gateway um, episode. I mean, I just, I love freaks for one. That's so kind of unpack. Give us a little. I will, no, I will. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it really like the, that's what's this episode stuck in my mind from when I was a kid, like this and home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was debating between humbug and home, but these are the two that defined X-Files. For right. Me. And home Even, has just yeah. been done. Everyone's talked yes. about home. Like, even if you though, want to listen yeah, about home, just right. get every other podcast in the world like has talked about home. Yeah, so Humbug, I think, deserves a little more credit. Um, yeah, it was just, it's just, it defined the, the X-Files for me, even though I, you remember the alien stuff, but this one was it. Like, the, it's scared, it was scary, but yet funny. Um and and of to course, do yeah. funny at the you know they had not done funny at all before like yeah like every was char- very brave every character was a character right and, you know you had um uh the great uh, that the Vinny um the guy who ultimately he uh, he has the twin that murders yes. everyone what a great actor but that, that actor is. is like considered one of the greatest character actors of all time and. He's always like a weirdo or something yeah, very right. interesting. And he's uh, got some great lines. Um, uh, I do remember, well, somebody taught you. It was probably, it was probably Kumail, but he, he loved the line about, um, I believe these are your rooms when he was taking them to their, their hotel rooms. And he said, if they are not, then I am wrong. Right. Listeners, and by the way, if you do get enchanted by the X-Files and you want more, um, Kumail Nanjiani, very, very funny comedian, has a podcast called The X-Files Files that is an episodic episode by breakdown. episode breakdown. Very, very good that we have all listened to and we love. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I think... and then, yeah, just the characters, every character is great. Like from, Brilliant. From Jim Rose to the geek to, uh, to Vinny to uh, Mr. Nutt. And they're so are, well are... written to the fact that you yeah. feel connected to them. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is yeah, like a 45-minute yeah. episode. Like, it's true. You feel what they feel. Right. I think... I think what's so brilliant about Humbug. So Darren Morgan, he does this thing with the X-Files where he almost parodies the X-Files in his episodes. Like he loves to turn X-Files tropes on on its head. So he typically will have like, you know, an episode where he loves to make Mulder the idiot goof like dummy Mm -hmm. and make Scully the hero. Because let's face it, one of the things I didn't like as a kid about the X-Files like little feminist was like that Scully is always wrong and Mulder's always right. Like right. that's not cool. Um, so this is an episode where they go to a freak show in Florida to investigate a murder and the, the, the twisting everything on its head. Like I think this episode is a funhouse mirrors of episodes right. in that the freaks are normal and the normals it's, it's are freaks. Tabernacle terror. Actually. Exactly. That's what it's called. Yes. Tabernacle. <laughs> so like right. they used real freak show performers. Oh, I guess. Yeah. I could, uh, begin in, with the, with the opening scene. Where, yes. So where good. You see two little boys swimming in a pool and then like this gross hand in the trees. Like, and you're like, Oh my God, them. it's going to be a pedophile. What's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he comes, comes into the, the pool he, and he scares them and they scream. And, but then they, they're their... like, Oh dad. It's like, and, it's and so that's bad. a real, um, so he has, he has a real condition where that's his real thing. Yeah. And like, it's a double fake out. Cause at first you think it's the scary and like, there's even a, all the details in this episode are so lovingly crafted. Like there's a sign about like this alligator man who is this actor who's the alligator man. And it's like, who's the monster. And and that's really what um, Darren Morgan is trying to say is who is the monster? Because it's not the person you think is the monster. I think Michael J. Anderson, who um, um, Twin Peaks fans will know as the man from another place or the dwarf or the man in the red room. He or has the arm, the arm oh, in the new the series. He has an amazing role in this episode that is probably uh, that's probably the truest. We were looking him up on IMDb, found out he is like actually a genius. He worked at NASA. Um, great, great. And like the whole point of his character is turning first impressions of people on its head. So like he meets Mulder and Scully and he's like, you know, um, I'm making, it's human nature to make instantaneous judgments based on appearances. And he really (laughs) drives that through line throughout the episode. And it, it really continues. And there's all this stuff about unconscious bias and Mulder and Scully being like, we, they even called themselves out on it when they're like investigating the sheriff and they're like, we're being biased, but we're going to continue to do it. And all the freak show people are lovely and kind and supportive. (laughs) And Mulder and Scully are like these rubes, you know, and it's just a great kind of turning your tropes of X-Files on its head. Super, super clever. Just a potato in the ground. The sheriff. So one thing in the X-Files world you'll find is like often Mulder and Scully come up against the local law enforcement and like 
are, right. you know, they're either like very willing to partner with Mulder and Scully or they're like anti. Right. And this one's the most charming, sweet yeah. local law enforcement you ever one. could have. He's, yeah. he's one of the good ones. That yeah. Works with him. So good. Um, just like. But he was the dog boy. He was the dog boy. So. There's a sign, freaks free, <laughs> all others, please leave a donation. But I just mm-hmm. think this whole episode's about embracing your freak flag. Oh, that was another great character, the the curator of the yes. museum. Like, he was just really Every character is so unique and, he, and interesting. Yeah, he had the story about Chang and Aang, the Siamese twins. Yes. If about you're into whole, freak show yeah. and, like, um, circus legend, this episode will definitely do it for you. Yeah. I mean, you get a lot of information and they really took care to make it detailed and specific to real freak show. They hired, I mean, they cast real yes. freak show yeah. members. So they, and it's yeah, also they, just they really... like a story about like, don't judge others just based on their appearance. Yeah. It's very, it's a little nineties now. Right. Like back then it was like, Oh, you're right. I know. It was so. Also, it was <laughs> so great. it's a it's a warm and fuzzy. I think yeah. it's a warm yeah. and fuzzy. It needs to be warm and fuzzy. I put cutesy. Fun. It does. It is like and, and it's, yeah. <laughs> Another great thing about this episode is that well, Scully is the one who figures it out. Yes. That yeah. it's the, we all like we all picked Scully episodes. That's so funny. It's a vestigial twin. Of, yes. Um, yeah. Lenny. Yes. But, but then, of course. Um, the geek eats the the thing, so we so Scully can't be proven right. Right. Classic X Files that always happens. They figure it out, but they can't prove it, or they. It's just so ridiculous. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's just so out there that it's just impossible to prove. Right. In this case, the proof was eaten. Yeah. <laughs> but then it was also super sweet because it was like. He was like, well, it hurts not to be wanted. There's a vulnerability yes. in all oh, yeah. the freaks and like everyone where it's just like Scully was right. But then it was also like really sad where you find yourself tearing up. And I like, know. Why? But it's really, it's a good, it's a good gateway episode. It is. It's like a little fun. It's a little sweet but it's also a little disturbing it's weird and there's some genuine scares i mean when scully's in that mirrored fun house and the the monster is coming after her that's genuinely scary i think you know one thing and darren morgan who wrote this episode he gives great interviews he's super clever and one thing i've picked up from him is he loves scully he loves to like have a scully empowered episode he loves having her kind of be the beauty to the beast like Mm -hmm. In Clyde Bruckman as well, she's sympathizing with the monster of the week. You know, she's kind of like feeling the pain of or coming, you know, and where Mulder's being like a dumb, dense (laughs) idiot. Even like, I love the moment where it's like, imagine going through your life looking like that. Oh, that's great. Which is like Mulder just strikes a pose. Right. It's like lunging for some reason. Yeah. He's just posing like a football captain. Right. It flips. Like a Riker. Yes. Kind of. Like a Riker with your. He's got his leg up. Leg up. Because it it flips on your ear what is normal and what's abnormal. And they they start that right from the beginning of the episode. Because the sheriff's like, around here we like to call these people very special people. Like in our our 
neighborhood, the freaks are normal. And like when they have the funeral for the one freak, the first alligator, they, it's like a freak funeral and it's a great scene. It's kind of reminiscent of the twin peaks funeral scene, but with freaks. Right. And I love that they're kind of, their whole point is, isn't it boring to be normal? Wouldn't it be, isn't it better to be freakish? And even like at the very end where you find out kind of the reveal of who the killer is, Jim Rose is like, so you can do this, 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 what a great act. You (laughs) know, like they're just all into like, you do you and you be yourself. And honestly, I think it resonates with this podcast because to me, gateway to geek free is about like you do you and like we love it like you be right. your fandom self like if it's you great just explain it to us though that would be strong. right sometimes we don't get it you need to just explain it a little bit right like yeah i put in my notes like you know it's the reversal of the norm you know it's the it's the funhouse mirrors the x-files scully's now scully's being treated as the weird you know weirdo kind of like spooky scully because she believes in this stuff and like oh yeah they do laugh about it at the end they're like yeah sure it was the fiji mermaid oh the fiji mermaid (laughs) is super important so the fiji mermaid um is a pt barnum thing where it's like this maybe monkey sewn mummified monkey right sewn next to a fish And what's so brilliant about it, um, there's this line, it's like, you never know where the truth ends and the hu- um, and the humbug begins. Yeah. And I'm oh, like, yeah. that kind of sums up the X-Files. You never know where the truth ends and the humbug begins. I think that Darren Morgan loves to just kind of like turn the mirror around on the audience and be like, this is what the X-Files is. Don't take it so seriously or do take it incredibly seriously. <laughs> I won't tell you, wink. You know, mm, like right. he, he knows something we don't know and it's super cool. So just like a great episode. Um, yeah. Now we get into your episode, Kelly. And I'm like, what else? Anything else on Humbug? If you like this episode, if you do watch it, like Darren Morgan, um, Obviously, Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose is, like, the greatest ever, but we're not going to talk about it today. And then War of the Copperfishes. I mean, that one's a fun one. It's a fun one. one. Which one is that one? It's the one where the cockroaches take over and there's Bambi the scientist. Oh, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that. No. (laughs) Darren Morgan's not a huge fan of that, so I don't think he um, he would blame you. So... My favorite episode was, or my episode that is my gateway is um, episode season. So both of theirs is season two. <laughs> right. We're so going to leap ahead. We're giving you some fun stuff early. Yes. Leaping on to season five, episode five, the postmodern Prometheus, which is a reference to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Um, the modern Prometheus was the sub, like, for those of us in freshman English, it's actually Frankenstein, the modern Prometheus. Um, this episode was a Chris Carter episode. It is a funny episode, I would say, if you had to classify it. It's a monster of the week. It's black and white film noir. It is a definite product of its time. Like there's references to Jerry Springer, which we definitely don't. I care it's about. A, it's another freak episode. It's a freak episode. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. The town is kind of freaky. The kind of the the premise is that Mulder and Scully have been called into a small town because women are saying they've been impregnated, you know, in their sleep against their will by some sort of monster. 
why this is my gateway is because I can remember when I was like 14 watching or catching this episode on TV and being really scared by it, which is funny because it's not like a scary episode. It's a really sweet episode. It's really sweet. But there are images that are scary. Yes. Like yeah. there's an image of um, the the monster or the bad guy kind of like puts this tarp over these houses that's sort of a circus kind of like red and white striped deal so that it's being it's a fumigation tent over the house and i found that image really scary and i can remember having like nightmares about it and being very like freaked out about it and then the you know um the great mutato who is the monster of the week monster that is not really a monster right just a man with some difficulty it's it's a little bit like based on the elephant man, you know, and the movie mask and the movie mask. I keep getting them confused Um, is, you know, so it's, it's like scary, but not it's, it's black and white. There's nods to kind of like film noir B horror movies. Um, Frankenstein, young Frankenstein. Yes. There's, it's another one where I would say Scully comes out in the wash looking a little better than Mulder, but neither of them look great. They're both kind of like the Alice in Wonderland just sort of swept up in this current of oddities. Nobody really really looks great in this. Nobody, including the audience, really figures (laughs) out what happened here. Right. Like, it's not necessarily like the, like, what happened. Yeah. Seriously, watch this episode before you listen any further like this is like you can't go back once you know what happened right like this is a very like i know it should be fresh to try and do it without spoilers is very hard i will say but one thing that's funny is they talk about and this is in 97 right so they talk about this culture obsessed with the media and like we all know dang guys fucking (laughs) right Like, like you haven't even there's no Kardashians. The there's no housewives. Right. Like, this is well, just. Well, like, I mean, Jerry Springer was the Kardashian was of the time. That and was that's it. That's featured here. Yeah. But yeah. it wasn't as bad because it wasn't like day to day, this is my life. Like, right. right now, all those freaks would have reality shows. I, I know, know, but he was a daily show, though. So, yeah. in a way, I mean, people would watch him every day. And, and so, part of the Jerry Springer thing is that everyone in this small town wants to be on the Jerry Springer show. So yeah. when Mulder and Scully first come to town, everybody loves them because they're like, here's our opportunity to be on the Jerry Springer show. But then when they find out they're not on their side and like they're judging them, then they turn against oh, them. They, what they get mad at him about is that he calls the monster a hoax. Right. That's they don't when like they that. start pouring coffee on his crotching. Right. <laughs> it's, It's like a real, it's an opportunity for both of them to get to be sort of the straight man. Like Mulder and Scully are definitely the straight ones. They're not in on the joke. They're in it together. They don't get it. They're jumping off the cliff. Yes. They don't understand what's happening. And then there's this sweetness where the quote unquote monster is not really a monster. He's a victim. And to top it all off, the soundtrack is all share all the time. Right, because the monster <laughs> loves the movie Mask and Cher loves the main character in Mask that kind of looks like the monster, so thus the monster loves Cher. A equals B, B equals C. And similar to Melissa's choice, so I feel like my choice, the postmodern Prometheus, is sort of the marriage of Humbug and Irresistible right. and that it's a shipping episode of Mulder and Scully with a freak turn it on its heel, like monster type of thing. Because 
the end of this episode has like the greatest shipper it's moment really of all sweetest. time. It's so sweet. I tear up. Oh my God. It's just really adorable where it's just very casual and very like nonchalant, but still your heart just explodes. Oh and my it's, God. It's the cigarette smoking man's son. Who plays who the plays monster. Yes. Chris Owen, I think. Agent Stender. Or I want to say. Agent, Agent Stender is the character. Yeah, right. But Agent I Stender. think Chris something is the actor. I don't know. But like he, um, with tons of makeup, plays this character. <laughs> and it's basically like Mulder and Scully are taking him somewhere. I'm not going to explain why, because spoilers. But um, <laughs> they end up taking a little detour to watch Cher perform <laughs> Walking in Memphis. And then Mulder and Scully dance. And it's very cute. It's so cute. It's so mm-hmm. sweet. And they just, just have like a very sweet kind of button on the episode. It, it has it has it all to me. Like it, it's sweet. It's how scary. About, it's funny. It's odd. How about uh, the writer tried to make every character based off a of farm? Animal, yes, right? that's so, so clever. So there's like the reporter who's kind of a chicken. There's the one guy who's kind of a goat. There's yeah. like there's a lot of. Oh, Izzy is a pig. Izzy's it's a pig. A pig. I mean, with the X-Files, it really is an onion. The more you get into it, the more you discover, like, wow, there is so much to it's, it. It's what do you just, call those? Easter eggs? Easter yeah. eggs, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, at first, you just think it's this, you it know. Easter egg is apparently the Siri call-out. <laughs> Siri, wow. what's an Easter egg? <laughs> um, I, think, I think if you are like you know what, I'm kind of a true crime procedural nut, but I would like to dip my toe into sci-fi. The X-Files is the way to do that. It's on Hulu. So you can stream it on Hulu. It used to be on Netflix, but now it's not. And like, to me, like you could have Mulder and Scully on NYPD Blue or like LAPD or whatever. There's a lot of SVU actually, but with... Instead of like sexual assault, it's like a monster kills. Right. So it's just it's a little bit of sci-fi, but a lot of bit of procedural, a lot of bit of Pacific Northwest. If you like smog and smoke. What about uh, mythology too? There's a lot of uh, and if you're anything like supernatural, like vampires, werewolves, like any sort of like myth. Like, I'm um, a big fan of anything that's, there's a little bit of magic that could happen. A little bit of magic. Yeah, Loch Ness like, Monster. Yeah. So conspiracy theorists also. I mean, fans. and the fun, I, I will say, truly, like, we have rewatched this series a bunch of times. And there's always new things to be gleaned. Like, it really is interesting and unique every time. Like, it's a good one. And you realize that in the 90s, we were not doing anything right in terms of expressing ourselves. <laughs> no. Or our body shapes in terms of Scully's Oh my god, her suits. clothes. There's so many tans <sighs> that are oversized. It's really awful and she's a redhead. It's not great. How do you make a woman as beautiful as Gillian Anderson boxy. I mean, I don't know, but they find a way. They find a way. They're like, you know what? We better not detract from David Duchovny. I I don't know what their motive is. Then there's also sex men like mm, Crycheck too. Someone that I really enjoy. Crycheck. I love Skinner. He saves the mythos. Skinner. He saves the mythos episode. Yeah. That's the good thing about That's the only good thing about the episodes. I know. um, Crycheck. 
So, like, there's a lot to get into. There's a lot to really love. But, like, if you're kind of into, like, weird shit, but, like, police stuff. Like, if you do watch a lot of SVU and, like, are, like, well, if you threw in a monster, it's fine. Like, this I is, agree. This is something to do. If you're into aliens, this is definitely for you. Oh, my but God. But you've already watched it because... Yes. Let's be realistic. Well, and I also <laughs> feel like we are in kind of a 90s nostalgia moment, so it's the perfect time to binge 90s. The X-Files. We wear stuff from the 90s. I mean. And it's really disturbing because I grew up in like right. that way, and I was like, that's not flattering. No. Like, a weird denim jumper is just not flattering. And in, in the 80s, there, there was the, the 50s trend. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. This is like 90s, 50s hybrid. So suffice it to say, if you're looking for a great kind of like procedural sci-fi with sexual tension, the original ship, honestly, like I think the term shipping probably originated from Mulder and Scully. Like you don't get a better ship than that. They're they're my, to use a geek term, OTP, original true pairing. And wait, wait, wasn't it uh, Kirk and Spock? That's slash fic. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. So, like, I, I read a lot of shipping fanfic. Oh, my God. Like, that was the first time I ever found fanfic. It was something that I never told many people that I was doing. <laughs> but I had my AOL dial-in, and I read a lot. I was on some message boards. It got creepy and weird. You but, know what? This is a safe space. I We're know. so happy you shared that. Like, it was one of my first, like, true fandoms. I mean, I like... made you watch that video of David Duchovny. So, okay, bonus. If you want to, if you get, if you watch these episodes and you're like, hey, I wish these two would kiss and I wish they were a real life couple. two weeks ago. <laughs> I, I was came like, over just to hang. <laughs> we're going to go out. We're like, no, I'll just order in. I'm just and like, then I was like, wait, have you seen this? So there is a YouTube video. Of David and Company's band singing just just YouTube David and Company helpless helpless he sings Neil Young's helpless helpless and brings Jillian Anderson on stage and I'm sorry but if they are not actually a couple they are at least couple adjacent <laughs> this. YouTube clip. It's been penetrated. They hooked up. She lived with him for a while, allegedly. (laughs) Anyway, but like this video is definitely like a long term. You don't you don't pull a friend by the scruff of their neck and kiss them on the forehead. That's not what friends do. (laughs) But like they sing Neil Young's "Helpless, Helpless" together with his band, and they're so steamy in love. Enjoy it. In shippers, you're welcome. That I introduce you to that because you're gonna love it um it's really sweet can't can't tell you what we're doing next time it's a surprise but so many more geeky fandoms to explore a whole geekiverse is ahead of us and we are so excited to explore it with you listeners goodbye